All right, everybody. It is Monday. We had a big weekend chopping some trees down. But first up on today's show, Noma, the restaurant Copenhagen. It's just amazing. I've been there once or twice. And uh, yeah, big labor story. They're shutting mm -hmm. down because uh, they can't use free labor anymore. Yeah, this is I mean, I know you didn't see this coming that we're going to mm. open by talking about the world's best restaurant Noma shutting down. But we're obsessed with it because of that labor story we've been talking about constantly. The other story we have been and will be talking about constantly, more generative AI or derivative mm -hmm. AI. We're coming up with new names for it. Uh, degenerate AI. Degenerate AI. We're going to talk about the information report that Microsoft will integrate ChatGPT, not just into Bing, but apparently also into Word and email. Yes. Uh, and uh, yeah, I have a lot of feelings on where this is going I, and also an announcement i'm going to show for the first time the open ai chat gpt ios app i got invited to the early test flight of it and i'll show it here for the first time ever uh on this week in startups it's gonna be a great show stick with us this week in startups is brought to you by linkedin jobs a business is only as strong as its people and every hire matters Post your first job for free at linkedin.com slash twist. House of Macadamias is the next big health trend. Get 20% off your first purchase at houseofmacadamias.com slash twist by using code twist20. And the Microsoft for Startups Founders Hub helps all founders build a better startup at a lower cost from day one. Open to anyone with an idea, you'll get up to $150,000 in Azure credits, technical advisory, access to mentors and experts, free dev tools, and so much more. There is no funding requirement, and it only takes minutes to join. Sign up today at aka.ms slash this week in startups. All right, it's Monday. My R2 unit is up and running. I'm back in the Bay Area. You don't see snow behind me. 14 days, Molly. I got 14 executive days in. Good work. Of skiing. Uh, you know, an hour days. and a half to two and a half hours each time, seven to 14 runs. Got into a rhythm. Feel great. Feel great. Wait, and you now, would do seven to 14 runs in an hour and a half? Something like that. You know, there are these oh 900 elevation runs you could do real quick. Um, but yeah, oh. I think I somewhere between, yeah, I mean, if you, it's like every 15 minutes to 25 minutes you can do a run depending on the length of it it's uh 10 minutes I'm really like the three minutes to 10 minutes down depending yeah. on the length of the run and then um 15 minutes up you're like let me do the back of the envelope math on my ski runs i'm like the world's laziest skier i like to mm. do four to six long lazy blue runs and then have a hot day for the uh, day uh well for you know you day. haven't gotten up there yet but um it's a day's worth well we'll get you up there um yeah i make a um buttered rum beverage mm. um which is very nice. I sourced it. Uh, it's one of the things, Molly, we're recording the show right now, everybody. But, you know, there's always a couple of um, things over the long weekends and breaks that we have to catch up on. So uh, I, I like to give big tips, right? I hate giving to charity, although I do, you know, do that from time to time. Hmm. Uh, but I like, prefer, you know, giving huge tips. So I gave this guy a huge tip and I say, hey, you know, what's the story with the buttered rum? You know, how do you make that? Um, and he just took it out. And he said, here, I, I sourced the buttered rum from this place. You can get it online. Uh, take a picture. And I was like, well, thank you, uh, Mr. Bartender. I took a picture and I ordered a six or eight pack of this buttered rum, which looks like butter. 
you yeah. freeze it and then you put a scoop of that in there with a little rum and uh, a little hot water, maybe a little cream or something, whatever you're down with. And you get a hot little hot little buttered spiced rum off the mountain. Very nice. Delightful. Life is excellent. Off. Yeah. <sighs> and um, yeah, that was uh, that was my right. little winter break. I think we need but to address the, to the, the question that's on everyone's mind, though. Oh, oh, um, I am not taking the CEO job. At Uber. <laughs> I know everybody wants to know if I'll be the next CEO of Uber. I think Dara's mm-hmm. doing a great job. I also will not be taking the CEO job at Microsoft either. Great job being done. Actually, there. I have a totally different um totally CEO different job that I wanted to ask you about though, which I think is the real one that everyone uh, wants to know, okay. which is are you Here taking the co CEO job oh. at uh-huh. Salesforce? <laughs> yeah, Mark Benio. <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> no, Mark Pennyoff actually uh, DM'd me over the weekend. He was like, hey, I got to introduce you to somebody. And I, you know, gave him a phone number. I said, Obama That's or Brad Pitt. That was my joke. Obama or Brad Pitt. So like, who are you introducing me to? Um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, but seriously, um, what's up with the chainsaw? Ah, so this is a very big controversial. I literally got calls about this. My mom is calling. Uh, friends are calling. Everybody's and I was like, concerned. normally I've used I don't a chainsaw before. Normally I don't, Cinderella. But in this case, I don't need <laughs> you. I don't need you cutting off a limb. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I've used a chainsaw before. You know, I'm. Uh, I've, I've used a chainsaw. I've used a circular saw. I've, I've you know, I helped build a lock cabin in my youth. Uh, I, I've done physical labor. I know it sounds crazy to be. Oh, like, you know, people <laughs> only know me in my 40s or something. Um, so we had a tree or two fall. Now, I had a redwood that was dead that they told me I had to cut down. I didn't want to cut it down, but they're like, this is going to fall on your neighbor's house, it's going to fall on your house. People could die. Yeah. So we had a pro come. This is not cheap to take a redwood tree down. You know, they're, they're quite high and uh, it's tens of thousands of dollars. And I mean, you get some nice piece of wood out of it. But anyway, long story short, during this water, uh, what, what do they call the uh, rain we had? Atmospheric river slash bomb cyclone, both. Okay. It's a bomb cyclone, atmospheric river. Uh, so, you know, around the sides of my house, we have a gravel pathway. It's quite charming. Now I have a plastic uh, path, and all the gravel is now on the tennis court. <laughs> so mm. there was so much rain, it came down and destroyed that. So that's like, whatever, some amount of money to fix that. Then some more to go out in the gym, and the wood floor now looks like it's the deck of like, you know, uh, the Santa Maria or the Nina. Oh, no. It's like warped wood. So I got to rip out $10,000, $20,000 worth of flooring. I mean, I, I, maybe this stuff will be covered by my insurance. Who knows? Anyway, so uh, it was quite damaging. And um, the, a tree fell. And then there's another tree about to fall in the front yard. And, uh, you know, it's going to be like ten grand to chop this thing up. And I'm like, everything in the Bay Area is five to ten grand. And then when you get the bill, it's twelve to twenty-five. You you even in the East Bay, I think the East Bay numbers, you just cut it by about twenty percent. You're like, hey, I need to get this thing done. They're like, yeah. hey, that's three thousand to eight thousand, right? Yeah. Then you and get then the bill, and it's five to, to 15. fifteen. Always, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. And so, listen, I'm not uh, listen. Manual labor's hard, I guess. That's why they put the word manual in it. But I'm like, it's Sunday. I don't want to sit in front of my computer. I'm goddamn sick and tired of doing emails and Slack messages and dealing with the down market. It's, you know, it's it's never ending. Yeah. You just be responsive to email all day long. So I decided I would go uh, buy a chainsaw and cut this goddamn tree up. And uh, so I, you know, I, I watched a couple of videos on YouTube about <laughs> chainsaw accidents. And yeah, they fall into a small subset. And uh, I got in my new Suburban. I bought a Suburban while I wait for my Cybertruck. 
Uh, so I have a you Suburban. Did? Yeah. I always sick. wanted to have a Suburban. Yeah, it's a sick car. Suburban's uh, awesome. I, you know, I had two two electric cars and then I replaced the minivan with a Suburban. I like to have one ice engine just in case, you know, stuff hits the fan. Apocalypse. Okay. Yeah. Apocalypse kind of situation. I have both options. So anyway, I drive the Suburban and I put on like a leather jacket. I uh, put on my combat, my Danner boots. And I put on, uh, I said, hey, Siri. I'm costume up for this. I'm going to cosplay lumberjack. I'm going to cosplay. <laughs> and I said, hey, Siri, play This is Leonard Skinner on Spotify. I said, put on some Leonard Skinner. <laughs> now playing Diet Mountain Dew by Lana Del Rey. No, I don't, no, Siri, don't do that. So You got Lana Del Rey out of that? I have no idea what Siri's name. She's like, she's trying to steer me back to <laughs> domesticity. She's like, stay on target. So I'm like, okay, Siri, play me. This is Leonard Skinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just go to my local uh, Ace Hardware. It was a little bit of a head fake because they put an Ace Hardware inside of like, like a uh, inside of they put like a little corner Ace Hardware inside of a department, a, a grocery store. So like, wait a second, that's not what I want. So I go to Home Depot. Yeah, I'm like, mm-hmm. I talked to the guy. I said, hey, uh, oh what my God, you really did. In? You really went. I to said, oh God, aisle thirty. What are you looking for? I said, you know, I've only used gas, but I hear these electrics are pretty great. It's like, they're incredible now. Let me tell you, the Ryobi. Uh, and I was like, well, you know, kind of like this other brand, but, you know, maybe I'll give it a shot. I got a Ryobi and uh, I went out there and I started cutting this giant tree, you know, 50 foot tree into pieces until like the chain came do off. do not do this at home. The tension the of a tree that size. Oh, my Lord. Like there's well, the, the chainsaw pro- alone, the chain... Chain flying off actually is a way that people die. One. That's one. Yeah, sure. Two or B. Get laceration. You know, Laceration. a varying to varying severity. Sure. Lose a yep. lose a lose a th- piece of you. Always a and then there's like the tree itself and the tension of a fallen yes. tree. So that when you release some of that tension, for example, like a huge bar, a, a branch can a rebound, spring back yes. or a rebound. Yeah, but you gotta know the, how to do the undercutting and the top cutting. And then the only problem was I didn't have any wedges. You need to have wedges. I've cut trees down before, uh, or I've cut trees that have fallen down i should say you need to have wedges i had no wedges i ordered the wedges mm-hmm. off amazon i forgot to pick them up at home depot but i'm gonna get the wedges here also the chainsaw you know the chains normally come off and i had to tighten the, the, the tension was a little off it was a little loose it's supposed to come with the device and then i realized i don't have any tools so i mm-hmm. can't even i don't have to take the lug nuts off i can't reseat the chain so that's coming on tuesday wednesday so i'll be back out there into the week cutting this i was thing gonna up. say when is the guy coming When's the pro coming? No, I already you know cut what? it into the major pieces, it. and I'm if just gonna cut the rest of the pieces. If you're not dead yet, you're probably fine. And I bet it was cathartic. Ryobi, by the way, great like up and coming tool brand. I bought their um, power washer. The- uh, power washer. I mean, they, one of the nice things too is with these electric batteries. You know, because of how good batteries have gotten in cars and previously phones. Yeah, batteries actually charge super fast. They have like yeah. superchargers, so you plug the charger into the Ryobi. Like a fan goes off in the charging base station and it charges it fast. And then I was like, oh, I got my Suburban here. I backed it up to the trees and I was like, oh, I got a plug in the back of my Suburban. So I plugged the charger into the Suburban, you know, my 110 outlet of my Suburban. And I'm like, yeah, I'm ready to go. But I was like, ah, I don't have a hatchet. I need a hatchet. I need a, some wedges. So I have my eye protection. I, I don't have like, protection. I don't I have chaps. Like producers, you're really missing a chance here to rock some America F. Yeah. Like, this is your moment. I mean, I, I put the pictures on. right now. They, at any point in time, they could have pulled up some pictures of the tray. It's people. <laughs> when I posted the tray, this might be my most engaged Twitter post. I mean, that Elon didn't respond le- to. Legitimately. <laughs> aside, the ones where Elon responds. The ones where Elon doesn't respond. This is one of the highest. I think I might have a half million people viewed this. And nine out of 10 people were like, uh, 
Like, yeah. Re- literally everyone was like, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't yeah. do it. Don't do it. Go back to the one where he's like, what should I get? Like to, because that is the one that made you sound like you were just like, I can probably handle this. I'm going to get a chainsaw. Like you had never yeah, that's seen like one before. Alabama. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah, no, no further. There's my Ryobi charging. Further. I, I did like a little play by play. Yeah. There it is. That's yeah, the there's one. a tree that fell on the property. You see Any it. recommendations? Sheet. Medium sized tree. Everyone's like, <gasps> Oh yeah. It's almost so seven hundred thousand views. Seven hundred and forty two thousand. Yeah. I mean it's almost like it's like double CNBC right now. <laughs> if you're a small business owner and you manage hiring at your company, you know that success in twenty twenty three will depend on the team members you surround yourself with. That means when you're hiring, you want to use LinkedIn jobs. So you get the most qualified, the most motivated candidate. Well, LinkedIn jobs is your secret weapon. How? Well, they match open roles with the people who have the skills, right? You've seen profiles now where it puts people's skills. You also want people with the values and the experiences that you're looking for, right? They have to be a culture fit. They got 875 million members. The march to a billion at LinkedIn continues. And these are the most qualified people. You know, they take the time to maintain a, a profile on LinkedIn. So they're very proud of their professional achievements. That's just natural signaling that they're the people you want to meet with first. And if you got a strong following like me, and I suggest you invest in your LinkedIn following, you can add the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile. Yeah, you ever see online, it says hiring, it's in purple. Well, that spreads the word. Every time you post to your network, every time somebody comes to your profile, they see you're hiring, they click on it, and boom, now you're going to get inbound that's even more qualified, right? These easy to use tools are built into LinkedIn jobs, including screening questions, which I love. They filter out the drive-by non-serious candidates. So it's really simple. The most qualified people in the world are on LinkedIn. We all know that. And in 2023, you want to stack your team with those A players and the A players are on LinkedIn jobs. And that's what we did at launch. We've hired so many great people on LinkedIn. LinkedIn jobs helps you find qualified candidates that you want to talk to. And it helps you do that faster. Post your job for free. LinkedIn.com slash twist. That's LinkedIn.com slash twist to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. The view count is weird, though, because it, it's a yeah. the view count is a very revealing engagement mm-hmm. metric. It actually. is, isn't it? Yeah. I, they originally were going to do it, Molly. Uh, I remember in the early days of Twitter. I'm not sure it's uh, as... And they didn't do it because they didn't want people to feel bad who were new to Twitter. So, you know, oh, three people saw my tweet, you know, when you're starting out. Right. But I think what it has done is for people who have a big following, you're like, oh, wait a second. 10,000 people is a lot of people. It is, except that then when you see that, I feel like it doesn't. Okay, we're going to do our first story any minute now. Thank you, producer Nick. But I feel (laughs) like it doesn't have the effect that it should have because what it really showed, like, for example, uh, (laughs) When somebody's like, oh, you should come and speak because you have this big Twitter following and a lot of people come and listen. And I'm like, actually, only like 1% of them actually are real or engage or whatever. And mm. then the follower count to then replies and retweets and whatever kind of tells that story in a potentially yeah. unflattering way from like a brand or engagement perspective. If you are an old brand or you were on the suggested user list, it's pretty brutal. Because right. what happened was a billion people signed up for Twitter in the early days and then never used their accounts. Yeah. So follower count is probably off if you were on the follower list like there are people who are gifted being on the follower list i offered to pay i was not i -hmm. wasn't on it but you'll see like certain people got a million followers two million followers and some of them were journalists i won't say which ones but then you look at their actual view counts they got a million followers you're like wow this person's balling but then they have the same you know ten thousand or twenty thousand people viewing you're like wait one percent of a million you know ten thousand so what's going on here and it was you know, when you signed up, it automatically signed up for 50 or 100 accounts, you know, in the in the workflow. Yeah, 
Oh, this is interesting. Uh, now I'm looking so back at my tweets. Okay, no, I'm on. I'm on target. I'm staying on target. All right, we have a bunch. By the of way, Monday the best news. piece of advice though was David Sachs's reply. Did you see David Sachs's reply? Yes, to survive. I was like, how am I in this position where I'm like, yes, David Sachs, yeah. you are correct. See, you, you see, you could be friends with a Republican. This is how I started 2023, you guys. This is what Jason has driven Liking me to. A, you liked it, David like, Sachs tweet. David Sachs is right, <laughs> and then a lightning bolt hit my house. That's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> See, because he, he had sent a piece of advice that was uh, <laughs> advice for 2023 prior to our survival for startups. And then he oh said, See previous advice. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, I thought that was, uh, it's a good time, you know, doing a little physical labor. I've, I've decided now I want to do some physical stuff every day. I'm in my 50s. I got to get out there and do stuff. Also, I, I want to move to the mountains. I've decided I want to yeah. live in the mountains. Let's yeah. all go. I feel like I want to live in the mountains. I got Starlink. I got, the you know high speed internet and then i'm getting the gentech generator mm-hmm. so and i'll probably get a power wall or two so i'll have like dual i'll have triple electrical and double internet that should be more than enough yeah you know even during ski just season. Get like a little you know a little pied-a-terre a little apartment in the bay uh, i already have that yeah, the old office <laughs> the old oh, office right. and yeah, right. you just, you put crash there so um yeah i just i like being a mountain man and, and hey and jeremy uh, renner I get well soon, brother. Oh my um, God, I'm that not was crazy. I, I, Jer- Jeremy Renner lives up in Lake Tahoe by me, and uh, or maybe Reno, same area. Uh, yeah. You know, in the mountains, and uh, he had a snow cat, and it fell on top of him apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also is kind of like a handy guy who's up there living this lifestyle kind of thing right. where you get back to nature. So, and his own he's on awesome snow cat that he bought so that he could be super independent and plow people out ran over him. Yes, it fell. I'm just saying he him. could also be considered a cautionary tale. Yes, about getting too cocky about doing everything yourself. I'm just saying. I'm just saying that's an option. I think there's that's a way yeah, to think about it. It's I'm not possibility. I'm not a snowcat yet, but I do have a <laughs> suburban, so I'm on my way. I'm th- I was actually literally. This is how insane I've got. I can't believe like Montana Molly is over here. Just like, can you just Montana be careful Molly. with the tools? Like, <laughs> I literally uh, started looking up. Like, hey, how do you put a snowplow in the front of a suburban? Can you do that? Can you put a Oh, you can for sure do that, and you yeah. should. And I was that like, then I can awesome. clean people's driveways, and then I realized, oh, wait a second, I, I'm a one percenter. There's a service that already cleans my driveway that I'm already paying for. I don't need to. You're like, I'm not paying for the chainsaw thing, but yeah, I'm not paying I for get that. It. But I get yeah. it. You want to feel a lot like of news? That. A lot of news going on. Yep. And oh, and also, by the way, it falls under austerity. I am in full austerity mode. Um, just because I feel like Jerome mm-hmm. Powell is trying to break everybody. And I'm like, all right, mm-hmm. pal, you want to break me? Let's go. I'm cutting my own tree down. I ma- I've already been making my own uh, Cafe du Monde cold brew coffee. So that's money Blue Bottle's not going to get. Blue Bottle can lay some people off. The poor guy who was going to cut this tree down, he lost a 5, 10K job. His kids are not going to uh, college because um, I'm going to also do my neighbor's two trees. And so that's one year of college his kids are not getting. And um that's it. Break the economy, Jerome Powell. You wanted us to take austerity measures. That's it. Here we go. I'm moving to the mountains. <laughs> this is really that. This is really like the all-in influence. No, I just feel like, I mean, like, when is it going to it's end? It's a disaster. It feels like a disaster movement. That, that jo- no, like that jobs report on Friday was amazing. Like it's I'm the like, weirdest economy ever because it's super unevenly Explain to what happened. The yeah. jobs report on, hold on, I got to look yeah. up the specific numbers because I don't want to I mean, like screw it, it up. In but short, I mean, this is, we got more short, jobs. Yeah. 
than anybody had expected. It was like booming there. I mean, it wasn't like booming, but it was a market that topped expectations. Mm -hmm. The unemployment rate is three and a half percent. We still cannot find people to work at like, you know, wage growth was. And for the Fed, (laughs) God help us, because this is how our economy works. For the Fed, this is good news. That wage growth was below expectations, right? Meaning yeah. wages are not, you know, and, and if you annualize actually inflation over the like back six months of the year, sure, at like two, two and a half percent, like exactly where the Fed wants it. Ah, so, so actually the stock market is booming today because they're like, I mean, you know, who knows with the Fed, but everybody's like, well, yeah. maybe the rate raising will not be as aggressive after all in February because like we had this good jobs report and like. Wages are slowing down and inflation is significantly slowing down. Like, but there's this tech apocalypse happening. Tech apocalypse it's like right in our sector. And it's easy. Yes. To, it's sort of like how Kai would always say the stock market is not the economy. Yes. The tech industry is not the economy. Mm-hmm. It's a big chunk of it, though. But yeah. for us, all apocalypses are local. If you step yeah, on an app. Apocalypses are local. I like that. <laughs> yeah. It's like your zombie. No zombie apocalypse. Yeah. At Disneyland. No. Right. It's packed. Right. Yeah. But just, our just, house. just in San Francisco and the Bay Area yeah. attack and everything. Well, here's the thing, too. You know, like he wants, they kept rates, ar- rates artificially low. They printed all this extra money and then they said inflation is going to be transitory. And now these are the same people who are saying, well, in- inflation is going to be here forever and we have to break employment. And I'm like, did you just say you want to break people's employment right. and their 401ks? Like, wait, how does this make sense? And I guess they that's how they that's their tool. So I mean, honestly, we did a whole episode at Marketplace on like, and I will take credit for this idea. I was like, hey, you know what? It kind of seems like maybe we should like not listen to economists. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe they like don't know what they're doing. And we had this professor of economics from like the London School or whatever to come on and be like, yeah, no, they don't know what they're doing. I just feel like, like we put economists in charge of policy across the entire government. And the fact is they're using, you know, the tools for the last recession to fight this one. And this recession makes no sense. Like I will never be on board. You know, I had this little argument with you and Brad Gerstner. Like, I think there was every reason for team transitory to believe that inflation Mm -hmm. was transitory because the externalities of a pandemic induced shortage of goods had never been seen before. Like there was no way to say for sure. And again, there are still boats. I can still see cargo ships stuck right. in the port of Oakland outside my window. And now we risk like all this stuff collapsing because maniacs like me are cutting their own trees down. Right. People are making their own cold brew. And I think everybody's going to go like into full austerity measures and they're going to realize, you know what? Austerity measures feel pretty kind of cool. It's kind of cool to cut your own tree down. It's kind of cool to stay at home and make some food. It's kind of cool to do a staycation or maybe go in an RV or what, whatever it is, you know, like it's really so. funny because the way you're describing austerity measures sounds exactly like how I like lived the pandemic, which to be pandemic, honest, I, think I kind of some austerity missed. Measures. Yes. Yeah. I kind of like, hey, Oh, did I miss that trip to Europe all that much? Maybe not. Right. But I learned how to like grow chard or whatever, you know, like, I don't know. Yeah, and you got some, cool. and it was kind of cool. Let me tell you about House of Macadamias. Yes, 
This brand has a special place in my heart because the founders, Carmen and Brandon, well, they're Twist listeners. They've been listening to this podcast and they told me that they got inspired to start this company after listening to this very pod and reading my book, Angel. In fact, their first angel investment wound up hitting it big and they used the returns on that angel investment to start a nut business. These people are crazy. They're nuts. They started a macadamia nut business and it is delicious. You can see the graphics on the screen. All nuts are not created equal. Peanuts, almonds, cashews, walnuts. Those are, you know, they're good nuts. But macadamias are the elite great nuts. They're higher in omega-7s. And that's been linked to fat loss and natural collagen. They have more healthy fats. They have less carbs. And every product is vegan, keto, and paleo. I love these. I love the dark chocolate-covered ones. That's just me. They have beautiful macadamia bars. Buy some of these. Keep them in your uh, desk drawer. That's a healthy snack for you to have. They also have some zesty, spicy ones if you're having that kind of a day. I like to do that if I have like a nice iced tea. And I can uh, pair it with a zesty salsa dry roasted. So here is your call to action. Support a founder and have great macadamia nuts that are healthy and delicious. Houseofmacadamias.com slash twist. Houseofmacadamias.com slash twist. Right now, you get 20% off by using the promo code twist20. That's right. 20% off. Houseofmacadamias.com slash twist. Hey, speaking of growing charge. I hate to jump all over the place, but I saw this Noma story. <laughs> well, we didn't get to hang out for a while, so. <laughs> I know. I just feel like this Noma story is going to just become like a great debate here on the show. Mm -hmm. like, have you ever been to Noma? And -O -M -A? I went to Goost, which they call mini Noma in Copenhagen, because ah. I couldn't get into Noma. But yes. I feel like I went to the like indie band version. Yes. Of Noma. But so I, I've been to Noma twice. My guy, Tyler, uh, who was based out of Sweden for a bit and did the Sweden, uh, the, the tech meetup there, became friends with this guy. Mm. And so for my birthday, my friend Tyler took me to Noma and, you know, like, I don't know, eight of us, whatever. It's an incredible experience for people who don't know. This is the height of fine dining. There are it's the best restaurant in the world. Best restaurant in the world, basically. And it's not but the best restaurant in the world. You would think like the best hotel in the world, the, the Amman, if you want to say Amman Giri, that fancy looking place everybody takes the pictures of uh, yeah. on Instagram. I think that's 2500 a night. My beloved Amman Hotel, Tokyo. When I went was 1200 or 1400 a night. Now with the exchange rate, uh, it's at 600 to 800. It's a pretty good deal. Uh, and I'll be going there in March. But um, it's only 500 bucks a person to go to Noma. So it's within reach, let's mm -hmm. just say. And anybody mm -hmm. who wanted to go there, I mean, if you're a DoorDash driver, you could work, you know, they make on average 36 bucks an hour. So you could work two shifts. I mean, you and still you could go. got to fly to, let's like, you okay, still yes. got to fly to Copenhagen and stay there and whatever. But sure. As, as, you know, like if you're talking about the literal, Level like it has been, here. it has been deemed. Yes. The best restaurant in the world for and it, what over a decade. It dethroned yes. the French laundry. It has three Everything. Michelin stars. Like it is top. So yeah, for five hundred dollars a person, that is considered yeah. quite accessible for this level. It's of accessible for what you know, being the best in the world. Like a Bugatti's, uh, whatever million or two million dollar car. So that's yeah. the best in the world, and a you know Prius is thirty or forty. Anyway, they are shutting down. Yeah, at the height of their success. Yeah. Like we and, and and we're just going to acknowledge now that no, this is not a tech story exactly, but it is right on story. target with the labor conversation that we've yes. been having nonstop. And we just blew up our group chat over this this morning. So I read the story. And I predicted what the story would be about in the group <laughs> chat and then listened to it. So like I did exactly what Twitter tells you not to do. Are you sure you, you want to read the story before you retweet it? I'm like, no, nope, I have <laughs> an opinion like, no. based on the headline. 
So I my opinion thoughts. based on the headline was, this is a generational labor story based on the fact that people uh, in fine dining work for free. And sure mm -hmm. enough, I was exactly right. Um, people go, there's 200 people working there. I don't know how many seats they have. But when I was there, I watched like at least 12 people around a table preparing our meal because you can see it like you walk through the kitchen they greet you, you know, and, they're, and they're like putting flowers that have been painstakingly pruned you know one out of 300 you know flowers they go pick in the woods people put in 12 16 hour days it's, mm -hmm. it's like working at a startup they don't get paid it's internships right free internships is the they're called stages that's stage. actually what you do yeah when you're a chef you when you ah. your internship is called a stage spelled like stage Mm -hmm. But oh, you okay. do these stages. I have a lot of chefs in my life. So this stage is so valuable in the world that if you were to do it for a year, you could yeah. go work at any restaurant in the world. Yeah. In fact, the TV show The Bear, which we all love. Did you watch The Bear, by the way? I don't know. If oh, you yeah. Love. love The Bear. The Bear, he is, comes to take his brother's steak shop in Philadelphia or Chicago, whatever it is. And he comes back from Noma with this noma cookbook and of course his number two right in the in the bear gets the noma cookbook and starts going through it mm -hmm. i think they literally show the noma cookbook uh, yeah in, i had totally the, forgotten that it was noma but you're totally right yeah i'm pretty sure somebody mm -hmm. correct me if i'm wrong if not they allude to it being noma but I, yeah. i'm pretty I mean, sure it's it like was pretty exactly clearly noma. noma like when yes. you yeah yeah no it's a great catch yeah so it's pretty clear that he studied abroad and and you know if you just type in noma and you pull up a picture from anywhere on Google, you'll see like 10 of these people. Now, these people uh, at some point have children or a mortgage mm -hmm. and they don't want an internship, they want a job. And it turns out at 500 bucks, if you do 100 covers a night, even at 100 bucks, that's 50 it grand. It can't even come close, yeah. It can't even come close. But like, you know, you watch these uh, folks, that's the number of people who work at Noma. It's right. bonkers. And the the story noted, by the way, that uh, the intern program, the stage program, mm -hmm. supplies 20 to 30 full-time workers, stagiaires, 20 to 30 unpaid employees who are literally, and then you come there as one of these unpaid interns and they're, you know, they taught, they quote this woman in the story who went there and she's like, yeah, I didn't, I barely even took my knife out. She didn't go and learn how to cook. She learned how to make a little beetle out of fruit leather. And she spent mm. her entire time there doing that. But so like nothing, this is so fascinating as a labor story because everybody, like if you've ever, I mean, if you've ever even read Anthony Bourdain, right? Like the yeah. thing about the restaurant industry is that it's abusive, brutal. There, it's full of sexual harassment. It pays nothing. This stage thing is like the biggest scam going and has been for decades because you don't just do one, you do like 10. Like you're expected to spend maybe up to two years going around and staging for free at various restaurants. But what is so interesting as a labor, like a generational revolution story mm. is that like all this has been coming out. Rene Redzepi, who is the, the chef of Noma, there have been accusations about this treatment and this abuse and this bullying and whatever mm -hmm. that have stuck, right? That it's like all of a sudden all these industries that we were just like, yeah, they're totally abusive. It's awful. Yeah. Wouldn't want to do it. Right, and now it's like, it turns out maybe you can't freaking do that. And like workers are not having it anymore. And that's where it becomes generational. Um, yes. And I'll take the other side of it. If I may, I'll play a little devil's advocate here. Oh, I'm not saying that's the side. Is that the side? No, no, no. The, that's the what side the story of, says. 
Yeah, I mean, the, there there is a side here that like this is uh, abuse of the people. Put it aside, obviously, drug abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse. That's a. I'm talking about like, is it abusive to work for free or for almost nothing? <laughs> I'll take the other side of that for sixty <laughs> now. Okay, go for it, <laughs> As boss. A company like, builder, <laughs> feel free. <laughs> I if he had charged <laughs> the mistake he made was yeah. he should have done what NYU does. NYU charges $80,000 a year. They charge $350,000 for an undergraduate degree. And people uh, laud them. And these NYU professors out here, like on CNBC, telling you like valuations <laughs> and ethics and morals, all these dipshit NYU professors are telling everybody how to live their lives while they are scamming students out of $350,000 undergrad for a degree yeah. that will never make them more than fifty or sixty or $70,000. So here's what the Noma chef should have done. No, I'm not. It's not. I'm talking about the guy on CNBC. I'm not. I actually wasn't. Not him. I forgot not him. that. Uh, uh, not him. He's of the same opinion. Coltex. He's not allowed on CNBC protocol takes. He's of the same opinion about the 80 grand. So like. Yeah. There's a guy on CNBC all the time um, who just attacks tech companies like relentlessly from NYU. And they're just like, mm -hmm. this guy's a genius. I'm like, 350 for a degree, a business undergraduate degree. Yeah. Okay, sure. Um, so if this guy had just charged people $10,000 every six months mm -hmm. and then gave them a degree and mm -hmm. papered them and yeah. let them work on the highest end stuff on the line and did, yeah. you know, like whatever, I don't know, an eight semester, four year or four, you know, make it three semesters a year, whatever it is, mm -hmm. charge people a reasonable amount and then, uh, let them come, you know, as part of it, they, you know, have like more of a fellowship, more of a mentoring kind of situation. There would be no problem. So a lot of this is how you frame stuff. And then this whole thing happened in the magazine industry when I was coming up. If you wanted to work at Vogue or New Yorker, they were massively abusive with the free internships. And all the rich kids from the Ivy League schools, parents paid for their apartment or gave them their pied de terre in uh, Manhattan. Mm -hmm. and, you know, these were friends of mine. Like, I'm like, how do you do this? And they're like, oh, you know, my parents are helping me. I'm like, your, your parents gave you an apartment and they give you $3,000 a month of living expenses? Holy cow. Right. My dad gave me a kick in the ass. And say I good mean, luck. It tells you, yeah, exactly. That's it. Tells you why every strata of society stays the same strata. Exactly. And so, if you yeah. wanted to work at Vogue or you wanted to work at New Yorker or Vanity Fair, you, know, you just had to be willing to do a year uh, for free, basically, going yeah. and getting people coffee and returning. In Manhattan. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Able to afford uh, Manhattan. Yeah. And the same thing in the movie industry. The people it's complaining so need to yeah. take a chill pill and say. I'm going to do this. You have to have autonomy in your life. You have to have agency in your life. If you're going to do the <clears throat> Noma thing. Wait, I'm I sorry. Suggest, Go back a second. Yeah. Who needs to take a chill pill? The people complaining who are working 16 hours a day and then whining about it. The ones who are working 16 hours a day yes. for free? Yes. They need to okay. reframe what they're doing and just say, I'm going to do this for six months. I am going to use Noma, use their name for six months. I'm going to look at it as like tuition instead of going to the Culinary Institute of America, which also is probably a hundred grand. I'll go work there for minimum wage for free, whatever it is for six months. I get the Noma thing. I take a bunch of pictures. I write a blog about it. I document everything. I write a book, sell an ebook, whatever, make a bunch of TikToks, release them after I leave. And um, I use Noma to get my next gig or start my own restaurant or whatever, which a lot of people have done. But if you're going to go there and stay for six years or two years, then you're opting into being abused. You have to look at it as a stepping stone. 
So that's what I, I don't like about this because it is kind of cool that they do allow people to intern there who aren't qualified. Now nobody oh, no. gets to intern. I don't think you ha- can. I think you have had. I think you have to have done multiple free abusive stages at multiple other restaurants to even get into Noma. Okay, I will say mm. uh, there is one hundred percent validity to your take, and mm. that has been that has literally been the attitude yeah. this whole time. Right, the attitude has been if you can hack it and you want to mm. do it come here because this is the deal yeah and that you can keep that going as long as you can keep the doors open and what yep. renee redzepi is finding and that's the jet this is the revolution right like what mm-hmm. renee redzepi and others are finding is that nobody wants to take that deal anymore ah so like that key. has been the deal and everybody understood the deal and now right. all of a sudden you do in fact have a generation of workers and by the way the age range of that generation is bleeding into all of them mm. But you have this generational revolt and it's it's fed by like it's so interesting how like historically speaking, everything comes down to income inequality. If it gets mm. too bad, like income inequality is a reality. It's a power law situation. If it gets too extreme, mm-hmm. there is always revolution. And mm. so the roots of all of this are that people are feeling at the bottom end of the spectrum that the deal doesn't work for them anymore. They're like, look, we made this deal. We know that some of you are going to get really rich. Mm-hmm. And most of us are not, but if we're okay and we can survive mm-hmm. and we can pay the mortgage and we can have a good life, fine, yeah. we will not revolt. Mm-hmm. But when it gets too extreme and too abusive on either end, like yeah. there's always a revolt. And now you're seeing this revolt and people are just like, cool. I understand you. I understand all the words coming out of your mouth. You're telling yeah. me that's the deal and I can take it if I want to. I don't want to. Yeah. So then all of a sudden, Noma, the ballet, like, startups right all of a sudden everything that has relied on people's willingness to take the deal is starting to crumble and it's going to be crazy a non-market deal a lower than market deal somewhere between zero and you know whatever 25 percent less than market right that's where people would start to feel at 15 to 25 percent so yeah i think that might be part of the cultural revolution going on here All right, everybody, I wanted to take a moment to thank our friends at Microsoft. Today, we have Lahini Arunachalam with us. She's a senior director of platform and growth at Microsoft. She actually created the Microsoft for Startups Founders Hub. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Jason. Thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about the Founders Hub. Why did you create it? Yeah, so we built Founders Hub based on the feedback from hundreds of founders. We spoke to founders at all stages of their journey. So ones that were just starting out with an idea to those that had actually built successful companies just to better understand what their challenges and pain points were as they were building their businesses. And we found three challenges that kind of rang true regardless of where they were in their journey. The first one was that founders need access to coaching and advice to get to that next milestone. Hmm. The next is that they need to accelerate the time it takes to actually build an MVP or their second product or their next set of features. And of course, founders need capital to actually keep them afloat as they continue to build their companies. And so Microsoft for Startups Founders Hub is a digital platform built to help founders with these challenges. Thanks so much, Lahini. If you would like to check it out, go to the Microsoft for Startups Founders Hub and they have no fundraising requirements open to anybody. If you're a founder, they want to they wanna support you. It takes five minutes to apply and startups can get up to six figures of benefits instantly. Sign up for the Microsoft for Startups Founders Hub today at aka.ms slash This Week in Startups. I think a lot of it has to do with how rich people's parents are. There's this big, massive wealth that's about to be transferred from Mm -hmm. parents 
Could for be. boomers mm-hmm. uh, whose homes and 401ks, even despite this, you know, uh, blip on the radar here in this recession, generally speaking, they have so much money, they can float their kids. And they had a smaller number of kids, they didn't have five kids, they had one or two. And so you have one or two kids, you got millions of dollars in the bank, you're dying in 15 years, you're like, you know what, I'm gonna give my kid a credit card, I'm gonna give yeah. them, you know, I got this house that's worth 3 million, they're eventually going to get it, you know, and I mean, that's a big, that's a huge part of the income inequality story, too, is that actually, as we were just saying, like, the stratas always stay the same, like, generational wealth Mm -hmm. is now baked in. So if you're in that upper end of the spectrum, you're going to stay there and you don't have to stress and you don't have to work. And -hmm. if you're not, you're probably feeling the reason people are not taking these deals anymore is you're probably feeling like you're never getting out. But also, you're totally right. Like, if you're, if you're the kid who's Parents could afford to send you to culinary school mm-hmm. and you had all of those opportunities. And then you're just like, no, I'm absolutely not going to go get my ass kicked 16 hours a day by this nut job. Yeah. I had toyed with this at a moment in time because so many people want to come work for me and learn to be venture capitalists. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ah, and I get no less than 20 emails per week. I'll come work for you for free. I'm like, I, I know that email. That means I have to mentor you. I have to take all this time. You're going to bounce the second you get an offer. Like, no, it's not worth it. Right. So what we don't do internships. Everybody's like, oh, every, every new person who comes to work with me, hey, let's do internships. I'm like, nope. Let's hire world-class people or develop world-class talent. Either we're hiring Steph Curry <laughs> and Draymond or we're developing Steph Curry and Draymond. That's just my mm-hmm. philosophy. Either we're going to, I guess, who? I mean, okay, they recruited Kevin Durant. Or they developed, I think they developed, right? Steph, Clay, and uh, yeah. Draymond on the yeah. Warriors. So that's just my approach to it. Like, I don't, I don't want to deal with this. I don't want somebody resenting me, et cetera. Right. Uh, but I had people who said- We're like, like the Oakland Ace. Okay, yeah, sure. Moneyball. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and, and I had people offer me all the time, like, hey, I'll pay you to take my child and teach them and give them an internship. And I was like, well, that's interesting. And then I was like, ah, I still don't want to deal with it. You know, yeah. and then there's like this Kaufman Fellows I found out. The Kaufman Fellows, I, I'm sure it's a nice group of people. I, I don't know if it's a for-profit or non-profit. You've heard of this group, Kaufman Fellows. I know. Uh, but here in the Bay Area. It, it's basically like you get a fellowship and then you learn how to be oh, a for BC. Uh, venture capital. And I was like, oh my God, that's so charming. How great. Uh, how does one, uh, you know, I'll, I'll refer people to the Kaufman Fellows, mm-hmm. um, you know, who are... Uh, you know, looking to break into VC. Oh my God, you know, this is so generous of them to, uh, you know, provide this service. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you two years here in this holistic program. Do they pay? It's mad expensive. <laughs> of course it is. It's, it's like the greatest dragon I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, it's, like an, it's just an MBA. It's just like a different, yeah. Oh, hold on amazing. a second. I got to pull you up. It's a, t- okay, hold on. Guess, don't look, Molly. I'm not looking. Oh, okay. Tuition for the two-year program. Mm-hmm. Is a part-time program, I guess? Or you, actually, no, you can't work during it. It's a, it's a two-year program. Um, yeah. Yes. God, it must be. A, it rendered you speechless. Is it more or less than a suburban? <laughs> the base model or the grand <laughs> model with every single feature that I got? Uh, yeah. I'm going to say it's as much as the grand model suburban. Is it 150? Yep. 80. 80K. It's 80K. I think mine was like 85. What? That, that's oh, one okay. of the reasons I wanted to buy a suburban. It's a very was reasonable the, price. Pretty for reasonable like a, car. Yeah, damn. Given like, uh, it's $80,000. It 
Kaufman Fellows is $80,000. And you don't get a degree at the end of that. So you pay $80,000 for this two-year program <sighs> and you get in warm introductions? You get a network. Kaufman Fellows is a lifelong network for growth, acceleration, and connection to capital. After graduation, I mean, this is just so you like just pay for a fraternity, basically. Basically, yeah. I mean, this kind of wow. stuff pisses me off. I'll be totally honest. That's the there's your program for you. But I was just looking at like what you get for it, and like, I don't want to make this like a, a, a I don't want to dog them too much. But I always meet these folks because the Kaufman fellows can't stop emailing me. Mm. Um, Fascinating. So the whole idea is they figured out. <laughs> you know how it's hard to break into venture capital. Kaufman mm-hmm. is like, yeah, yeah, it's really hard. You know what? Give us eighty thousand dollars. We'll show you how to break in. And we'll, well, yeah, it's just that's the fast pass at Disneyland. This is beyond the fast pass. I don't know what this is. I mean, this feels like more like Coffin Fellows feels more to me like, um, like you just you know, like uh, when that celebrity like le- painted the picture of the person on lacrosse and had somebody take their SATs for them and got oh, them into right. Stanford. Like varsity blues. <laughs> feels like a little <laughs> bit more like uh, you just payola to me. I don't want to yeah, say. Exactly. I mean, I'm sure these people. After graduation, your time as a Kaufman Fellow has only just begun. Building necessary relations and conducting business with integrity, investing confidently are all a result of a reliable network that becomes your most valuable resource. Our network is a deep pool of knowledge, knowledge on deal flow, diligence, and follow-on financing, but comes with the addition of veteran experts, helping you develop strong communication skills, navigate fundraising, building customer partners, troubleshooting. I, you know what? I should do this. This seems like a really good grift. I was just I thinking, do. I was like, don't I'm like don't um diss it too much because one maybe they would pay us to start teaching stuff or we no. should just launch it. I do we Angel University already. I teach I people. Maybe I should do my own venture version think, of this. I think that's and then not a terrible idea. Eight thousand dollars. Yeah, uh, and then just be like, you can meet everybody. I mean, I teach at Angel University. It's like it goes to charity. I think we charge three hundred or five hundred a seat, and then the profits go to charity. Um, Founder University is free. Anyway. Uh, we need this to start, is the kind of stuff we need to that, start this as a profit center for sure. <laughs> Did you no more of that charity. In the age of austerity. In the age of austerity, yeah. We'll get some revenue streams going here. Yeah. All right, there you go. go. A network 27 years in the making. Eighty thousand dollars. Guys, you don't know, have to pay what do. No, and I think this is now, what Noma's doing. Well, yeah, so now what, what Noma's gonna do yeah. is that it's going to because they can't get anybody to go and work there for free for school. It's a school. <laughs> it's a school. <laughs> so now they're just going to make it a teaching, which actually is what um, the the other, remember the previous best restaurant in the world, El Bulli, uh-huh. was in Barcelona, or it was, yes. I'm sorry, it was in San Sebastian or somewhere, somewhere in Spain. Yes. Those two brothers then started like a teaching university instead, and then they would do these pop-up restaurants. And I went to one in Barcelona called 40, 40 Degrees. I heard about this. Oh my God. 40 Degrees is probably the best eating experience I ever had in my life. And uh-huh. it was one of those El Bulli brothers. And it was only there for like a year or something. And so Rene Redzepi is going to do the exact same thing. Started as turn Noma into a place where people will come to kind of learn, mm. but actually maybe learn. <laughs> and then they'll have these pop-up things. Yeah. He made no money from doing this, Redzepi. Redzepi. crazy thing. A full-time food laboratory is what it's going to become. And then yeah, it'll great. feed the e-commerce operation called Noma Projects. The dining rooms will be open for periodic pop-ups. And yeah, he made no money on it because he didn't charge enough. I thought that's where you were going to go earlier, which is like, maybe he should have charged more for Noma because this gets back to that minimum wage conversation we were having. Like restaurants are going to have to cost more. You can't serve a meal like this for 500 bucks. If you have, I I was actually trying to do back of the envelope math. 
let's say 10 people worked on this birthday party's meals, which I think was probably about right. It's like one to one. Uh, but maybe it's like two to one because of all the prep work. So let's say like, I don't know, I'm trying to think 10 people 10 hour shift 100 hours go into the meal at, you know, $20 an hour, whatever. I mean, because in Copenhagen, minimum wage is it's much crazy. higher too. Yeah, maybe it's 25. Yeah. I don't know. It's some of the highest in the world. So you know, now you're talking like it should probably be priced at a 1000 or 2000 a person. It should be right. And because that what I still pricing go? only worked because 20 or 30 of the people working there at any given time were not being paid. Right. So the only way you're ever going to get ever this mm. level of food at this price ever again in the future, yeah. if this revolution holds, is robots. Yeah. Or just, you know, maybe lowering the standards. So the idea of like, you know, people have to like spend seven hours prepping this stuff. Maybe they have to spend two hours prepping it. It's just not going to be as outrageous. I don't know if people will tell the difference. I mean, I don't mean to be super controversial, but like the history of capitalism throughout all of human history is that like you can only get stuff for less than it costs to make that stuff if you figure out a hack for unpaid labor. And historically, those hacks have always been pretty bad. I mean, automation helps along the way. Uh, you know, That's what I'm saying. Robots yeah. is the only Robots, like right? Yeah. You can never have a $500 Noma dinner again if you have fair labor practices without robots yeah. robots yeah yeah or yeah you got it i also wonder if like some of the dishes they did if the people who were eating it would even know the difference if they spent half as much time and i think the answer is right. half of the effort is for the chefs like i think at least half of it is for them to feel like they did something elite yeah that's kind of like honestly the, why i like i sort of swore off fine dining after i went to like uh atelier Crane in san francisco which you know was amazing or whatever but i was like you know what i'm kind of tired of like as a as a customer mm. i'm also kind of tired of just being like this is your vision yeah and i'm just here for you to force yeah. it upon me if you will right it's just like okay like Three hours also is a little too much time i oh like God, uh, you know, i like an omakasa if it's like on 10 dishes or less like i can do that at a japanese restaurant but when you get to fine dining and it gets to like no. the 16th dish i feel like you gotta wheel me out of the place it's, it's a just much. like christopher Tennant and the whole right it's just like it's it's mm. like these artists being like this is my singular vision and i'll do whatever i have to to the people and the customers in order to achieve it and i'm like oh, okay i'm not interested i guess we should touch should on this uh continuing or whatever chat gpt <laughs> taking over the world open ai's Let's. relationship with microsoft keeps we keep turning over cards there you know we had yeah. the, i guess last week we talked a little bit about my prediction that like this would find its way into search and obviously a lot of startups are being built around seo copywriting journalism anything to do with writing or images mm -hmm. uh you know uh this kind of derivative AI, I, I like to call it derivative AI, because I think they're building things derivatively off of other people's work. So I'm going to dub it derivative AI. Interesting. What are they Re calling it? There's another word for this AI. Generative? Uh, generative. I'm going to call it derivative. I don't like I don't like derivative. I don't like generative because I don't think they're generating the idea. I think it's derivative AI. So let's just call it what it is they're making Very derivative works based on uh, other people's innovation. Interesting, interesting virtue signaling there. Jake, huh? Oh, like oh now you're trying to paint me. <laughs> I'm just trying to protect the artist here. Yeah, Generative that's AI. That's your virtue. I'm not saying it's negative. Yeah. I'm just saying as a literal, as a, a couple of nouns that go together that describe and turn into an adjective. <laughs> um, it is that I think what we're really honing in, the, though, is we are officially in bubble watch when mm. it comes to these tools, like the funding for them. And then also the promise 
where, you know, where is this all going to go and how transformative is it going to be? Microsoft appears to be starting to, mm. at least according to the information and some other reporting, like bet the farm on uh, sure, integrating this into Office. Word, PowerPoint, Outlook, exactly. All of the Office suites, like basically next generation Clippy. Like I Clippy mean, goes wizards, from like Johnny number five yeah. to Hal. Wizards were, wizards were a big part of, uh, you know, using these, right? You had galleries. Hey, you're starting a new project. You don't have to start from a blank slate. Here is a birthday card. Here is a, you know, uh, a sales deck, whatever. But totally. Yeah. I, I like this degenerative AI. <laughs> so generative Degen AI, derivative AI, you put it together, degenerative. Like degenerate AI. Degenerative exactly. AI is a uh, degen uh, AI. Yeah, degen AI. Like the like letter Kenny. Makes sense though. I, somebody over the weekend was pitching me publicly on Twitter, a, a founder who had created a tool which allows you to um it puts in your drafts folders a response to every email that you get. And so you just sit near your drafts folder and you just you start on third base, just like I have uh, Remember, I was using like text expander tools and the, there's one built into iOS. I think they call it text replacement in iOS, where you, you, know, you type in like a couple of characters and it expands it to be your address, right. it expands it to be yes, we don't sorry, we don't invest in uh, biotech. Uh, here are some resources for you. So you can basically create these little uh, cut cut and paste quick keys to, you know, reply to people quicker, but this would do it in the background and then eventually obviously we'll start we'll just start replying to people and they'll reply back to us and it'll just be our ai's having conversations email triager is one um a bunch of these are coming out so it makes Damn. sense i want and, and this. you saw it also with um notion theirs was very cool you did a segment on that on the show that was very cool and then it's freaking crazy gmail finishing the sentence um right. you know as you go like here's your next three words hit the right arrow key if you want to accept and like you typed a date, do you want to turn this into a calendar invite and all of those things? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then that that turns into do you want to put your phone on do not disturb because it looks like you created an account. Mm. So all of these tools are getting more and more common. You're yes. seeing investors jump at it in 2022. According to PitchBook, investors pumped at least $1.37 billion into generative mm. slash derivative slash degen AI companies across 78 deals. That was almost as much as they had invested in the previous five years combined. And all of this leads us directly to our startup of the day actually oh, yeah which is uh which is a company called i'm assuming it's pronounced zethub it's x e t h u b like github but zet and in fact it is meant to be as a github github for intelligent tools so it was founded mm. by a couple of former apple engineers who were actually part of an aqua hire apple bought their company for 200 million dollars and it was a machine learning company and they have since left and raised seven and a half million dollars in, in a seed round and launched a public beta of this company that basically provides data storage for AI for people who want to build these intelligent tools. So the idea is you've got all the things that we just described, like the auto-completing Google in Gmail, and you've got iOS being like, let me put your phone on, do not disturb. But you also have a bunch of developers who want to build those tools for every other company. And the key to building any AI tool is data and data sets and access to data sets. But if you're a single developer or like a tiny little company, you don't have either you can't afford or you can't store, primarily store a terabyte, one to a hundred terabytes worth of data is what it takes to train any of these models. 
So ZHub comes along and is like, all right, we're a data repository. Mm. We will store all of these data sets and let you access them. But, and, you know, other companies do this. So it's like AWS, but for data storage. Mm. But they'll also let you contribute and collaborate on the data sets and then provide data governance, like tracking of what changes have been made within the data sets to make sure that it doesn't get corrupted because your AI tool is only as good as your data. So there's this mm. like really interesting plumbing layer where companies are starting to be able to raise and create solutions around offering you the, the fundamental layer that you can build on. I think it sounds like a great idea. Um, yeah, it's genius. I think we're going to hit commodification. So while chat GPT is raising at $29 billion, my belief is open source is going to win this. And I believe open source needs to win this. Mm -hmm. If you look at the top open source projects on GitHub, they're all in this uh, category, TensorFlow and Stability and yeah. uh, Dolly. These are all open source projects. And remember, OpenAI was an open source nonprofit and then flipped to a for-profit. Now they got a $29 billion. The insiders, I understand this tender off for $300 million is not new shares. It's existing shares. So it's $300 million being sold by people. Um, and this is my unpopular belief of the day. Open source uh, community uh, is going to win this. They need to win it. And um, I think the value is going to be in the data sets. And then people are going to just fork all of these public models and keep contributing to them. Therefore, the idea that like right now, OpenAI and ChatGPT allows you to do this is going to be like, yeah, there's five ways to do that. And everybody's right. training on the same data. And can and you bring me, you know, producers, can you bring up the reply to Jason's tweet right there? Oh, yeah. Did anybody reply? <laughs> yeah. That first reply uh -huh. is kind of everything. It's everything that you're saying, but it's everything that ZetHub just launched. Yeah. The first reply, the protocol that incentivizes structured and labeled data, mm. ML ready data yeah. to be open and tradable probably wins the AI race. That sounds to me, and listen, I could be wrong, right? Because these are all complicated topics, but it kind of sounds to me that that's what literally launched today mm. is that exact repository for structured and labeled data. And it has data governance built in. It tracks when you make changes to the data um, and then it allows for open collaboration seems to be kind of the key. Like they just provided the open source, the GitHub cement layer yeah. for all, building all these tools. It's, this is now going to become a quick discussion. We're going to move from the discussion of who has the tech yeah. to who has the rights. And um, I'll just pass you a tweet here. Uh, stability, um, you know, which I guess is really ChatGPT's main or OpenAI's main competitor. Yeah, they're doing this in a uh, more open source kind of way. I mm -hmm. think they have a chance at winning the day here because they are allowing people to already opt out. So... You mm. can, as an artist, I think, opt out how attribution and opting out works. Who knows? Like, uh, Chamat said, like, you know, we have a robot.txt for Google searching. We mm -hmm. could have an AI.txt attached to every image, attached to every song, attached to everything. And if you want mm. to ingest it, you have to read that and respect it. And people will just say, you know, you can use this for non-commercial AI use. You can use it for commercial AI use. You can use it if you, uh, Give me a citation. So if you in some way use my yeah. image in this derivative work, I want credit for it. And I want to link back to the original. 
Now, how you do that and what percentage of the AI's mind and decision making went into, you know, if it took a thousand images or a million images, or you're supposed to put a million links into the, the final product, that's going to be pretty hard to do. Right. Uh, but we're quickly going to move from the holy cow phase to the, uh, did you have the right to do this phase and uh, who owns the data set? Which means that's I think why, that's what I'm saying. That's why I think yeah. things like this Zet Hub company are so yeah. important. Yeah. Like this is at the data is everything or the data yeah. are everything, depending on how much of a nerd you really are. Yeah. A bunch of data uh, scientists just got really irritated with me for that. I've given a couple. Um, I've spoken a couple times to the data science master's program at Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. And I always open by asking them if they say if it's plural or not. And they're always like, just don't bring it up. Anyway, <laughs> the data sets are literally everything here. So the ability to be able to do this collaboration, to yeah. be able to do this data governance mm -hmm. and labeling is how you will get to attribution, but also how you will get to trustworthy generative AI, whether, you know, like you'll be able to say this is a legit data set or not. This one's basically pirated over mm -hmm. here. Yeah. Put it in the bin. And people has will still access that. Has know? anybody caught ChatGPT using their information? So, you know, when we did like a lot of these tests, ChatGPT were the first or second result in Google, right? Mm -hmm. We never connected the two, but is there some long tail piece of content? Like how to do a party plan for you know, X, Y, and Z, and X, Y, and Z are, you know, incredibly niche things. Mm -hmm. And it pulled from one document. And then you compared the result of chat GPTs to that one document. <laughs> so if it was like, hey, I want to do like a crossover Greek and Japanese Christmas dinner. And chat GPT was like, yeah, well, here's how you do like your lamb sushi uh, <laughs> with some Christmas, you know, uh, you know, uh presentation you'd be like okay where did I that come that from did, has anybody that? linked the two i haven't heard of that yet and i wonder if they built into chat gpt um the ability to say if this is using less than 100 sources don't return a response so they don't get caught hmm. cribbing somebody's information i mean it seems to me that if if this if these tools that are being built are powerful enough to generate this mm -hmm. information, they're 100% powerful enough to cross check the information. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're going to be having a long conversation about the definition of derivative. And by long, I mean, probably the next 10 years. <laughs> but also, I did want to note that I saw, um, like Friday, I guess, what's today, that mm -hmm. New York City's Department of Education has already banned chat GPT from oh, yeah. public school devices works. and networks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, good luck with that. But that again, when we think about like when we think about this kind of growing bubble, it's going to be the various shovel builders, like the the data set provide reliable data set providers, and also utility. So like mm -hmm. someone's going to build a Chat GPT check checker check for Chat GPT in your home uh, or whatever. I you know? have like, um, just... <laughs> I have some inside information. Uh, I was invited to the test flight. Uh, this is breaking news of Chat GPT. It turns out ChatGPT has an iOS app that they're testing. And I just sent you a screenshot of it to our group chat. Uh, and here it is. So as you can see, I was just asking it like Bill Gurley's height and it keeps a history of it. So this yeah. is, uh, no, I'm not joking. Um, somebody from the team over there sent it to me. So for the first time you're seeing, they, they have a, uh, and I was asking Bill Gurley's height. And then I was, I asked it to write a short play about like people debating 
the biggest political issues. And I did that while I was taping uh, all in. Hmm. And uh, what's interesting about this is it keeps your threads, as you can see, in a mm -hmm. nice history here. And you can start to see like how this app would be very powerful. Have uh, you over read, time because um, you can yeah. search your threads. Yep. Which is pretty crazy. Now it doesn't have a um doesn't have an audio interface yet. You know, except for the one built into iOS, but you could start to imagine um this having, you know, more and more features that would be very interesting. Everyone should read to to see what the future is going to look like. Um Diamond Age by Neil Stevenson. It's a an old book of his, but it's called The Diamond Age or A Young Lady's Illustrated Primer. And there's this interactive device that this girl is using throughout this book that's her uh young lady's illustrated primer. And it's basically I think it's it's represented as like a book, but it's literally it's this. It's like just chat GPT in her pocket, except that it's an agent, if you will, like a, you know, interface for the entire world. It's super, I mean, this is like some of his most awesome sci-fi imaginings. But I've been fascinated, I think it came out in like the mid 90s, right? 95. I've been fascinated ever since I read it with this idea of just having this interactive agent with you all the time to be your friend and to give you information and to give mm. you advice and to tell you everything you need to know. And like, this is that you have it. You have it as a freaking chat thread, like a group message. It's pretty crazy. Um, check this out. Let me How see. If I... I'm, I am right here, people. I'm also sending to our little group chat. Uh, a video I just made. I did a screen. I, I should have done a screen recording, but this is like when you can start to see how powerful this is versus Google when you have it on your mobile phone. Um, check this bad boy out. I'm uploading it right now. So I just did a search. Um, uh, what are the best restaurants in Yauntville? And then uh, it gave me like a pretty good list. And then I asked it, well, which one has the best duck? And it gave me a pretty nice response so here i am asking it you can see i just type that in you hit play one of the best restaurants in yauntville and uh boom there it is it's uh, gonna just start now you can imagine it reading this to me molly mm -hmm. while i was right. driving through yauntville uh, exactly. the other week it would be your young and, ladies illustrated uh, primer yeah and then uh i ask it a follow-up question then you could imagine the next step being okay can you tell me which one of these restaurants has availability you know, in the next three days between 5.30 and 7.30 for a table of four. Right. And oh, and P.S. Make an appointment, which the Google Assistant can already do. Yes. So I had never done that. I just recently used that to make a restaurant appointment. And it does the thing where it calls and sounds like a human. Yes. Yes. I you literally know, I saw that. called and made a reservation and then sent us an email confirmation. I was like, oh, my God. for restaurants that don't take reservations online. Yeah. So this is a uh, brave new world. Congratulations. I, you know, that I have to say like these valuations make no sense. Um, so I, I was talking to some insiders of why would somebody pay 29 billion for open AI shares? Now I'm not saying open AI is not going to become worth a trillion dollars. Maybe, maybe they become the Google mm -hmm. Amazon of the space. It's possible. But at this point, like making that bet seems incredibly crazy. And who, you know, who's making the bet? Jared Kushner's Saudi-backed firm. Mm. So the Saudis gave Jared Kushner a couple of billion dollars, and then he's buying insiders' shares. 
I mean, I hate to be cynical, but it's not exactly the smart money. Yeah. But Founders Fund is. So mm, there's that. Yeah. Well, except that, yes, Founders Fund is. The Saudis if are. That's true. If that's Saudis true. Are not smart money. Jared's I'm not saying, no, I'm just saying, like, money. look, if you want to take, if you think that what you're doing is taking over the world, I'm not surprised that those two entities are together on yeah. this or yeah. destabilizing, right? Like, I mean, talk, like, this is technology that will destabilize the existing order. How Whether so? that order is intellectual property or knowledge or higher education or lower education. Mm. Right? Like, I'm not saying it in the, like, lead to, but well, no, you just said, like, we live in the future. Imagine you have this device in your pocket. It does all of that for you. New York City just banned this because it is effectively invalidating teaching. I don't know if I buy These that. These are arguments that everybody made about Google, too. I'm not saying I buy it. I'm just saying if yeah. you thought that that was the potential of this technology, you would probably put any money you could behind it. I kind of, yeah, as, as I said before, I think it's going to be about the data sets. I think Apple wins health with the watch data. I think Tesla and Waze win driving with their data sets, right? All people running Waze and Google Maps have some amount of data, all the cameras on all million Teslas out there driving on the roads. But you, need, you only need to look at the Chinese to know how you should manage technology. The Chinese, because of their authoritarian nature, mm -hmm. can do what your parents would do. Very parental, their approach, right? Like, hey, no video games during the week. Right. Hey, if you want to use TikTok, you can, but only for a certain amount of time. You got to watch math videos. You can't watch people dancing around in their underwear. Right? They ban both of those things for kids. Mm -hmm. You know what they just banned? It's illegal. Deepfakes. It's a crime to do deepfakes. Yeah. So, but speaking of destabilization, if you also yeah. want to destabilize everything, you would start with reality, which is what deepfakes do. Just saying, this okay. technology has a lot of potential on both sides, which is yeah. why you see China just coming out and being like, yeah, you can't do that. The Cyberspace Administration of China issued a new policy Friday designed to prevent the spread of fake news and misleading edited imagery and video known as deepfakes. Policy criminalizes the publication of such content without proper disclosure that it is indeed fake. Actually, if you told I, me that's what we were doing here in the United States, I'd be like, reasonable. I know. It's if you told me you have too. to label a deepfake, I'd be like, yeah, sure. Why not? You, you have, have to label, label an ad? Absolutely. Right. You just said China GPT should have to label its sources, which is basically the same thing. Like, yeah, I, the, the other crazy here. thing is that every kind of like sci-fi version of this is always mm -hmm. like, well, you know, it doesn't matter if we have rules because China is going to do whatever they want. So it is kind of a weird development that China actually is like, no, 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 no. they're ahead of it. They're ahead of it. EU's going to, well, I mean, we, we start to think about freedom of speech here, right? We start to think about, we, we always lean towards more freedom. So I, this labeling to me does not diminish anybody's freedom. When but you, you would watch, never win that argument in some rooms. I mean, if you label when you go see a movie and it says based on true events, mm -hmm. uh, but you know, a lot of these characters are fictionalized, yada, yada. And you know, like, yeah, they didn't actually transcribe what Monica Lewinsky and Bill Clinton said to themselves, each other. There was no recording of what Hillary Clinton or, you know, what, what a pick your Iran Contra, like they, they, they make dr drama dramatizations of mm -hmm. the OJ trial, whatever. Some of those are based on transcripts from the trial, other private conversations, they are just straight up made up, yeah. move the story along and make it entertaining. Do consumers really know that when they put that little thing on the start of a movie? I think they do. I think we expect it's BS. I think most people know that. Yeah, this is based on people's memories from 40 years ago, or they just made it up. So uh, We're headed into crazy times, people. These are yeah. the big trends of 2023.
Um, we have a lot of show under our belts already. Do you want mm. to quickly run through this Uber trademark? Sure. I got a tip today that Uber trademarked Uber Air. And I went Uber to the... Air. You should say that again more slowly because that's a good one. Uber, Uber Air? Air. 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 As in VTOLs. Yeah, it's great. I mean, they, they've had this... They had Blade as an option inside of Uber, right? So you can order a Blade helicopter inside of an Uber app, I believe, for a long time. I know Travis New York, tested right? in New York, yeah. And I, it's getting quite popular. It's I, I think I see New Yorkers once in a while, um, and my producers can look for a, for a screenshot of this. People will show the cost, you know, when Uber's surging, and then compare the Uber surge to the cost of a chopper. And you can see here, uh, in this one image, UberX, 100 bucks, the Choppa, 200 bucks, and a black car, 150 bucks. What? Um, but there are times when a black car and an SUV is more than the chopper. Because I think the chopper holds six people, mm -hmm, eight five. people. Yeah. Takes no time at least at on all. that screenshot, it said five. I mean, I would yeah. pay an extra $50 to take a chopper <laughs> to JFK and not be sitting in the back of a car totally. like, rent, rent, room, I'm going to barf. You know, I had, I had a rule against choppers, uh, but a friend of mine. I had a rule against uh, chainsaws, but apparently we don't care about rules anymore. <laughs> a friend of mine is a heliskier and he owns a helicopter. Um, and I went for a ride in it and it's incredibly safe with, you know, really great you know, pilots and relatively safe. I wouldn't use it. Oh, commuting, but yeah. I, d I will use VTOLs when they start thing because they have the redundancy in them. Yeah. So anyway, this uh, trademark was filed today. And so somebody just sent it to me. Yeah, this is randomly. a big one. And it, it seems to suggest and listen, like trademarks are always this is a fun tea leaves kind of game that can suggest product development over time doesn't always but it could suggest that over the next few years, we do start to see Uber integrate VTOLs, which mm -hmm. it has been telegraphing and invested. They're a, an investor in Joby. Yeah, Uber invested in 2020 50 million dollars into the 590 wow. million Series C that Joby raised. Yeah, and then uh, and then 11 months later did another 75 million dollar investment in Joby, and as part of it that deal, Uber sold Joby its Uber Elevate VTOL business, which is smart because Uber Air is a way better name than Uber Elevate. Joby market cap 2.2 billion right now, uh, trading at 350 a share. I think it was a a SPAC. Peaked at 15, now trading at three, 35% mm. of the SPAC price, right? All opening SPAC prices are 10 bucks. Yeah. And Reed Hoffman, mm. Mark Pinkus, uh, were involved in it. I, this, this is like one of those, I don't want to make a J trade here live on the air. I know. I'm like, are the I, I really do out? think. Getting a little spidey sense here. Yeah. I think Joby has a shot at being uh, the winner here. The it's a you know it's a smart guy who's running that company. The founder is super smart cat, um, and yeah. So you're telling me the next time I'm in JFK or flying out of JFK, I could take a helicopter for fifty dollars more than an Uber Black, which I always take because I get so carsick that I have to be yep. a big diva about a black car, and it would take eight minutes as opposed to the forty-five to two hours. <laughs> yeah, forty-five like, is more, but yeah, yeah. And then you have to get a car from the you know uh, the heliport. And then right. if you, here's the, here's the challenge with the helicopters, no bags. You can have a backpack or a small bag. I think it's like, you can have like a really small bag, but if you have a roller or something, they drive it to your hotel separately. Um, really? Yeah. And how do they get their bag to the airport from the hotel? They drive that also, like you'd have to send it ahead of time? 
there's some, that's a major logistics the, issue. When you get on the blade, they take when you you, you kind of get driven to the blade on a little bus. They take your bag, and they uh, will send it in a car with other bags to Manhattan. And that person drops off the bags at four hotels, and then uh, yeah, you get your bag an hour later. Yeah, but what about when you're going to the airport when you can't afford probably the time to get yeah, that's a, bag a good an hour question later. too. That's a I tricky one. Yeah. Th- oh no, no, it's the same thing. You go to the heliport in your car. Mm-hmm. The heliport. I think it's like there's um, there's one in the. I think it's there's an east side and a west side one. I've I've flown into both actually. Um, well, I should say I've flown into the east when I lived in New York. I flew into the east one, uh, East Bay. The the Hudson. Ri- there's a Hudson River one and this East River one. I flew into the East River one. With Mickey Schulhoff, who was then the CEO on the Sony helicopter one time. That was kind of fun from Teterboro. It took like five minutes. And then uh, the when I lived on the West Side Highway in 26th Street, I used to look out on the heliport there. Uh, that was mm. on the Hudson River. So pretty I cool stuff. Another yeah. thing, another headwind, if you will, uh, tailwind, sorry, good. for um, Uber Air and the VTOLs is they're electric, right? Because there's a lot of pushback quieter. on the sound. Yeah, and quieter. of course, right, it is. I guess it's less wasteful to put five people in a helicopter and do an eight minute ride. Maybe than every mm-hmm. single person in a suburban for 45 minutes to an hour, but it's not an ideal climate footprint. But if you can be like, these are electric and they're quiet. There was a whole entire New Yorker piece about how irritating helicopters have gotten in New York city. Mm. So like, this is a bit, I mean, this is just going to be like very you know, there's consumer. A, there's, that, uh, and there's that comedian guy who yells and screams at the helicopter guys there is. in central park. I, I forgot the guy's name. I met him. Oh my one God. Time. I knew it must be bad when I saw the New Yorker doing a think piece about helicopter sounds in New York. Oh, no, and in was New York, like, it's like these <laughs> idiots want to like see Central Park. And it's like, yeah, go to Central Park. It's awesome. Yeah. Go to Strawberry Fields, go to the Great Lawn, like, you know, ice skating, chess, whatever. It's a million, the zoo, there's a million things to do. And like, no, 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 I want to, I want to take a helicopter over. I'm like, I, you can just look that picture up. Just t- look on the internet, view of Central Park from above great now you don't have to annoy everybody in manhattan and then go here's, for a bike ride in manhattan go for a bike ride. get a city bike go, go bike yeah, around go to the boat so fun. there's a citizen army called stop the chop in new york this is from exactly <sighs> one year ago in the new yorker the current civic mood is one of disgruntlement and then they talk about how it's all about just freaking helicopter noise and people are losing it stop the chop isn't going to take it anymore they should let them do it like one day a week they should charge them extra money to do it. And uh, it's just also too dangerous to be flying helicopters over silent behind. electric VTOLs. Like that's awesome. At that, that point in time, this. that would be fine. Why yeah. should anybody be flying noisy chopters that's over ridiculous. Manhattan? It's so that's dumb. Ridiculous. They yeah. should over the Hudson Shore. If it falls, nobody gets hurt. Yeah, yeah, over Manhattan, everybody dies. Come on. Come well, on. If, if you were just zipping over 34th Street, you know, and you're just, you know, going to Teeter Bar, I, I get it. Right. You know, but to just hover over Central Park while people are sitting there reading a book. I mean, yeah. God, he's like, go to Central Park. He's, you know, it's, it's beautiful. Oh, bucolic. And they just sit there, eat a bottle of wine and a loaf of French bread. So oh, get a, let's go to New York. Gray, I get go a New wheel York. of gray and you just sit in the grass, get a blanket, smoke a jet. Well, I mean, whatever you're, whatever you're into. I don't want to. <laughs> you figure out what you want to do. In I like Park. you just give them the rope is what you do, folks. The, the, just you just sit here. You, you let them go. Central Park. I can't stop you. Just let them go. You know, go to Ugh. just stay away from the chocolate truffles. And, I'm going to uh, say an even more old lady thing Chrissy than Field. to stop the no, chop uh, people, which is like, I'm so over weed. Wait, what's the My God. Park? Can somebody just like de-stink 
weed. This is, isn't this something Eric Adams should do? I like that guy. He's Eric Adams, the mayor. He's like a hardcore guy. Shouldn't he just be like, I ban it? And then get what, into a lawsuit. Helicopters over Central Park? They just ban it. Yeah. Just be like, I ban it. Yeah. That's it. I'm going to go, you know, whatever the law is, who cares? Just go arrest people, shut them down, whatever. <laughs> be like a dictator. Yeah, right. Feels like it might be time to wrap. Feels what's like the, might, what was we the might place be in to uh, too much rope. <laughs> what's the place in, uh, where did everybody go in the mission? Dolores Park, yeah. Oh, Dolores, Dolores, Dolores Park. Park. Dolores Park is, uh, yeah, Central Park was classy. A Central Park, you'd like, you know, you people would get <laughs> dressed up and you go sit in the grass, you get a nice blanket. People would actually think about what blanket they're going to bring. They would buy a blanket for the moment. You're not going to stop it. It's classy. They class you it up. They would bring, so you want would Central Park wine to be for more rich people? Okay. Understood. No, I mean, it's a dollar wine glass, but you, in Central I'm Park, you bring an actual pair of wine glasses. You drink out of wine glasses because that would be classy. I'm, I don't know what people are. I'm messing with you. Come on. And Dolores Park with the box wine and then just He's be so, careful with the chocolate so truffles. Triggered. That's all I'm That's saying. Rich guy. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, I mean, Del- no, no way. Dolores I'm Park, not taking chocolate it. truffles may get you. Be careful. <laughs> Take a kid to Dolores Park. Give me a break. All right. I think that's about enough for us. <laughs> if you know, you know. <laughs> if you know, you know. Be careful with the chocolate dramas. I'm saying, like you might, you might have a little more of a grateful dead experience than. Don't a, you keep uh, your shoes on. That's keep you your want. shoes on. Keep Don't do the on. chocolate truffles, or else, unless you bring like a dead CD with you. If you got like a dead playlist, by all means. But you know, there you go. All right, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> Uh, we're back, babies. We're back. We're back. We're back. It's Monday. Literally, right, when we don't go get to the tape together, together anybody, we're like, and by the way, just uh, go to uh, jasonschainsawservices.com. And uh, if you need me to cut a tree down anywhere in the Bay Area, it's $5,000 uh, per tree. All right. Um, tomorrow we'll be back. Uh, we are. Price. We have a fun 2023 development for you. This Week in Climate Startups is now airing on Tuesdays. Oh, nice. So we're going to have like a one-two bubble watch. Like today was the AI bubble watch. Tomorrow will be the climate tech bubble watch. So we'll have an interview. I have a story about a big funding announcement. uh, And we'll be talking to uh, a company about recycling lithium ion batteries. Like Mm. the car size kind. This is a big, Ah. this is a big need in the climate Mm. tech world. Turns out we need batteries and we need materials for those batteries. And they're trying to harvest yeah. and recycle them and, and pump them out like ready to go which is what awesome. is the kind of the development here All right, that's we'll coming see up tomorrow, tomorrow everybody bye 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 bye